0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the John Meyer Podcast. Today's topic is FinOps ups on AWS, method versus methodology. Is that a cage match? Our guest today is David Warren, who's a chief architect at CDW, which is a Fortune 500 supplier of technology services and product. David has over 20-plus years of tech industry leadership experience, with the past 12 years' focus on migrating legacy applications and new workloads to AWS. Please join me in welcoming David to the show. David, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Before we kick started on this cage match that we're going to talk about, and I'm really liking the idea of that, I, I, I can see this visually. How about you give everybody a little backstory on yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, so like you said, i um, been in the uh, IT industry for over 20 years. Uh, some of that was actually spent in the military about eight years, uh, was in the United States Marine Corps from 2000 to 2008. So that was a nice uh, little distraction, uh, spent a lot of time in the reserves, but was of course activated uh, post 9-11 um so that uh definitely spiced up the uh the computer career a little bit and um yeah 2008 2009 got into AWS and uh started uh moving companies over and um it's been a great run got into finops pretty heavy in about uh 2018 2019 uh had done it before but mostly in the context of TCO and uh you know just Making sure there was ROI use cases set up for certain, um, you know, solutions that we were looking to execute. But um, yeah, it was 2019. Started at the uh, Subway World headquarters uh, as their cloud cost manager, and that's kind of when I did the deep dive. So, uh, so since then, I've uh, joined CDW uh, last May, uh, and they promoted me to um, chief architect in August, and. Been building out solutions for AWS, but also the FinOps practice, the cloud finops practice. So excited to be doing that and uh, excited to be talking to you.
0: Okay, so you've been doing AWS a really long time, moving yes. workloads over in the early stages when nobody was thinking about cloud cost, and now cloud cost has been a predominant subject for the last couple of years, and FinOps has only been around for a couple of years. Why FinOps?
1: Well, I think, you know, providing value is a powerful thing, uh, especially in times like this where there's a downturn and budgets can be tight. Uh, I've noticed a lot of our engagements with folks aren't so much about saving money so that they can um, unlock, you know, value in terms of uh, money back or money saved. They want to repoint those dollars to a project they still want to do. Something that they, but they can't do because they don't have the, the approval, but they know that if they can unlock savings, they can just use that compute and point it towards that new project um, and not necessarily, um, you know, please the procurement or the or the finance uh, teams. Sometimes that is, you know, the main driver, but most often I've found that companies really just wanna repoint um, their projects um, or the, the savings to projects that are you know, driving innovation. So
0: I, I find that completely true that the savings that you get from any, you know, project uh, going to the cloud, whatever it may be, those dollars are, have been allocated and you saved X amount. Now let's reinvest them into the company, doing other things and growing. Maybe we want to innovate. We want to do R and D, whatever it is, And now we're able to achieve more.
1: Right. So that's, that's really exciting. So providing that value uh, for customers is really thrilling. Um, When you're actually a customer, like I was previously, uh, and you're doing that as your role, um, you know, when you when you can, uh, you know, all of a sudden, within a couple months time, unlock double your salary, that that's feels very rewarding. Um, And to, you know, to prove out those those numbers and to you know graph out those trends um, for your your team and for you know the the leadership um, everyone loves to see that so
0: it's good stuff. Well, let's talk specifically what you're doing at CDW. Sure.
1: So, uh, chief architect is primarily responsible for emerging trends uh, in the context of go to market, uh, helping uh, you know approve things inside the go to market portfolio uh, solutioning things also to bring to market, um, you know, natively. And then, um, and then really just, you know, there's also customer interaction. Um, sometimes there's customer rescue, uh, there's all sorts of things that, uh, we can get pulled into, uh, you know, we have cloud architects or chief architects rather, um, across the three CSPs. And we also have chief architects that are focused on particular areas like application modernization. Uh, data. So, um, so, you know, it's a, you know, it's an interesting role, but it's definitely, um, you know, um, I think crucial for, uh, you know, advising the company in terms of direction, and uh, just helping uh, making sure that we're on the right track, and that we're listening to the trends, and not just, you know, unable to see the forest through the trees. So I think that's, that's, one of the great benefits of being in this
0: position, David. Our topic today is FinOps on AWS method versus methodologies. How would you define methodology?
1: Methodology is is handled, I think, a little bit um, differently because that's about why to do it, right? So, um, what's the what's the purpose? So, um, of course, you're familiar with the FinOps. You know the 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 the, the big three, and you know inform, operate. Um, and, uh, op- optimize, optimize. Thank you. And, um, so, uh, in, in order to be able to do that, like you also need to know how to do that. Right. So the actual optimizations itself. So the approach is, um, you know, isn't just about the philosophy it's, it's about, okay, how do I actually do it? And that's, that's when you get really into the methods versus the methodology. Methodology is, is more philosophical. Uh, you know, stakeholder buy-in, how many, uh, you know, of your workloads are tagged, et cetera. Um, there's, you know, s- specific KPIs just focused on the methodology, but the actual methods are like, you know, you know, right-sizing, using Spot, um, are you using RIs, you know, uh, S3 lifecycle policies, uh, automating cleanup, et cetera. So there's, you know, there's a whole list of things you can do specifically in AWS and in the other clouds. That will actually unlock the cost, unlock the the value that you're looking to achieve. You can do this manually. You can you, you know, do this with automations. There's you know SaaS tools that can help you do the, these things. Um, but that's what I mean by methods is is there's there's the why and then there and then there's the how and they're two um, related but different different things.
0: Do you find that companies struggle? between the why and the how like understanding like why I should do this versus how I should well I think they understand the
1: why pretty quickly because they know they want to save money or they want they want to unlock the money right but um they don't understand all the mechanics behind the why like stakeholder buy-in they don't necessarily understand why they should you know go move across the app teams and explain to them um, why they should be engineering in a more sustainable fashion. Well, if you just show them the stats from a report of how, what they were doing, how much that cost, and then, you know, just in, let's say in the dev layer, um, making that change, and then how much it was running uh, when it was engineered more efficiently, then, the, then you can kind of get them addicted. And, and, and that's where, you know, buy-in can, can happen pretty quickly on the engineer side. You just have to show them the numbers. And then they're like, oh, so you mean if I do it this way, it's going to cost less. And then all of a sudden, I I noticed like at Subway, for example, um, I was getting emails from engineers saying, oh, look how much I saved this week. And so, and and before that, they were very like, um, they're like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, this, you know, this change can save you this much. And they're like, really? And and like, it can? And, uh and like, yeah, and, and they do it. And they're, you know, at that point, they can't let it go. So, uh, you know, and you're not always going to get that buy in. Sometimes app owners have, you know, they're no they're not hands on keyboard, they just administratively own the budget. Um, So you have to explain to them, of course, they'll want to unlock dollars, but they don't, they don't necessarily know how to y- explain from their role to the engineers why to do something a certain way. So you have to really Look at the whole landscape of personas, and you know, work the buy-in at every at every persona level. And each conversation's different, but the narrative is is ultimately the same. Um, and that's what's I think a big driver for methodology. And then, um, you know, and then the methods is really up to either the third party that's helping clean up uh, or you know unlocks uh, cloud cost. Or the internal stakeholders that are actually FinOps, you know, engineers or, uh, you know, cloud financial analysts that can actually um, do some sort of execution uh, inside the environments.
0: Doran, with your example of Subway and the engineers actually caring about the cost of something, right. how did you get them to care?
1: You gotta sh- just show them the the information. You can it, you know some people react differently. Some people like pie charts. Some people like uh, a table with with numbers in it. Um, ultimately, people like dollar signs. So you show them you know use dollar signs is what I say in your numbers. Um, it's uh, it's a powerful powerful tool. So.
0: You also talked about the teams working together, right? The app owners trying to collaborate and tell the engineers why they should do something a certain way. Part of the FinOps culture is that the teams are always collaborating and working together. You either have a central, decentralized hub and spoke, however you want to be, but there's still some type of collaboration and understanding why the app is built this way, but also trust in the engineers that they shouldn't build it that way because... Now they start to care. Hey, don't use those. Let's use this instance. Like, I find that uh, hard to do or hard to implement in an existing environment. Have you done that? Yeah, well,
1: one thing that's like important in terms of showing them, uh, you know, the data is that what happens is the next time around when they're solutioning something or building something, they'll do it. Well, it's not necessarily the right way or the wrong way. They'll just do it differently because they know now they're accounting for cost. And, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously a pillar within like the well-architected framework inside of AWS, but it should be, you know, a, a component and a pillar of any cloud. And even if, you know, even something that you're constructing uh, on-prem, you know, you can you set it up a certain way, it's going to be either more energy efficient or less energy efficient. Um, so I think, the, you know, the approach um, can cascade across many different scenarios, and many different platforms. It's just about showing them the data, and then giving them that information, and then they can make better decisions going forward. I think that's ultimately, you know, the best benefit of business intelligence is, is uh, informed decisions, you know, going forward. And then, um, you know, being able to change hearts, hearts and minds with data is sometimes a lot easier than you know, putting it in a in a word problem, right? Just show them the the actual goods, and then they'll get it, and they'll, you know, some make it make them think like it's their own idea. <laughs>
0: that's the, <laughs> that's actually speaking from like a true a salesperson lot. type. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you get them feeling like it's their own idea, their own thing, they're going to go in. It's like buy-in in any any meeting. That you have in any type of company when you're trying to get people on board you lead them to the ultimate answer the answer that you'd like to get but they have to feel that they've come to that answer and what it does is it empowers them and it's it's like ownership of it david let me ask you about the reporting that you've just talked on and in fact you've been talking a lot about reporting and showing them the numbers showing them the the visibility of it how important is this data when you're showing it to them and for them to actually get to trust that it's the right data.
1: You got to give them the data and the source. Um, I remember I, I showed an app owner how much their cloud cost was, and they had complete sticker shock. They didn't know how much it had it actually had cost prior. And this was on, you know, keep in mind this was on an email chain with the CIO. So, it, you know, it's it was sensitive. And then I my reply at the back is like, actually it costs a lot more because there's third-party integrations. So there's third-party integrations that were outside the Azure bill. There there were, you know, it was connecting to on-prem systems. So when I added everything up, it added up to, it wasn't the $600,000, it was actually a million dollars. It cost a million dollars a year to run this particular app. And that blew everyone away. The fact that, um, you know, it cost that much. But I had the data to point back to. I had the sources of that data, and um, you know, and you can't really contest that. So, and you know, finance is your be- your best friend. You know, the le- the the ledger and the um, you know, you can pretty much figure out anything through the books at some point. Um, so it's not. Sometimes it's not always about your Azure bill, your AWS bill. Sometimes it's about the things that are connected to that service and the other external bills that are associated to it. So sometimes you, what, what your app costs isn't its true cost. And sometimes you got you to look a little further to see what else um, might be involved and what else is in play.
0: We've been talking a lot about the methodology around FinOps on AWS and really the implementation and getting your engineers. And in fact, we talked a lot about the engineers and the business owners on the finance side, how do you get finance to understand the engineering side rather than them go, yes, go make this change and reduce my cost? Right. But then also listen and collaborate as a team.
1: Uh, well, you need to un- you need to make them understand why certain changes can't be made, at least not quickly. Um, you know, some of them can be made in, in the dev layer and a non production environments rather quick, of course. And that will unlock some quick value, some quick wins, but ultimately you don't want to mess with production environments, especially if it's revenue generating. And that's easy to explain to them. Say, look, we could apply this to, to production, but we're also going to lose money, you know, during that outage when we perform this change, or if something goes wrong, um, we're not going to, you know, we're going to lose more money just experimenting with production then um you know we were to just apply it to all the lower environments except for maybe one so that you know there's parity um but uh yeah so you need to explain these things the actual business case behind it sometimes um unlocking value in in certain places like a production environment is not the best idea that's that's a quick way to make enemies um, when when production goes down, so uh, you want to do that. You know, you want to do it in a very concerted, planned way. Um, in the lowers first, prove prove it out, and make sure that it's um, you know operational there before you do any. You schedule any downtime, or you do any you know hot changes or anything like that. You want to make sure it's it's well planned for. So um, you you know that goes into those the conversations. I think with finance is that um is is in layman's terms trying to explain those things to them.
0: David, let's talk about some of the methods in order to accomplish these tasks. I have my methodology, I have my reporting. I've gone through it and I've identified my resources, I identified the stuff and now I have methods that need to be done. What are your thoughts of doing in-house uh versus third party, a mix and you know, how do you implement these?
1: Yeah, I mean I think uh Having a concentrated tech staff, you know, that has this skill set is important. So it can be part of, you know, DevOps, or it could be part of, you know, um, some other aspect of the IT organization. But they don't—they're they're not going to learn it quick enough to to unlock the amount of savings that they should achieve quickly. What I mean is. It's probably best to have someone external come inside uh, to the organization and show them what to do, how to do it, how to do it well, and effectively teach them how to fish, right? And then they they can fish on their own. Um, I think that's the best approach um, from my perspective because just just outsourcing it, it, you're they're not they're not necessarily vested enough to um, want to continuously unlock that value. And they also don't know the ins and outs of every application. Um, you know, they could shut down something that's, that's, that's. Meaningless or they could shut down something that's, you know, used every day and that could cause a a big problem from just a, a workflow perspective. So, um, you want to be careful in, in terms of who you empower, at least from a, like approach perspective how to do it when to do it the tools to use um it's it's best to to bring in someone at least for a short term that can tell you how to do it how to do it well and then at some point peel off and then there's an internal team that's working on it so the answer is hybrid
0: i think I think getting started, right? Like a FinOps consultant. They come in, they find a couple internal advocates that are looking to wrangle in the cause, but also understand everything in general. And then what they do is they empower it. They have executive buy-in they've created these teams and then here's here's how I actually put it I do like podcast consulting and I tell people listen it's a year-long engagement by month 10 we play tv series and I get killed off and you own everything because I don't want to own it afterwards you are empowered now to run with this and it does me no good to stay on long term and I think that's the way like most consultants should do when they're kicking something off the longer they're there they start to become part of the furniture and then they just it's it's a never ending thing and then it's not actually kind of growing it's not growing internally and the investment and all that it's just yeah it's just a natural feeling right
1: yeah that's that's exactly it i mean the the reality is like at cdw for example there's there's no value in us being at a place for 3 or 4 years doing finops for them um the you know best case we're in there a year and it's it's fire and forget at that point. They they know how to do it. They we've you know established all the all the buy-in has already happened, um, either through us or through them or in partnership. Um, you know all the tools are in place, all the workflow is in place, and then they know what to do year two or year three, um, and then we're able to shift to other customers, right? And because otherwise, it's very hard for a company, whether it's you know CDW, Deloitte, uh, Ernst and Young it's very hard for them to scale even at their massive size um across the entire commercial and nonprofit w- workspace because how how are how are you, you going to be in every company for for 3 4 years you just it's just not sustainable so it's best to just you know bring in the right talent teach them how to do it well and then you know and move on and that also builds trust so the next engagement whether it's like application modernization um, or you know some other effort uh, in terms of modernizing their their environments in some way, um, maybe it's AI. Uh, who are they going to go to? Well, they're going to go to the to the company that came in and taught them how to do it and wasn't interested in just clocking in, you know, day in, day out, week in, week out, year after year. Um, I think there's value in building that trust with with customers, so I think that's important.
0: Do you do like periodic checks or audits to help them make sure that they're still on the right path within their FinOps culture within their teams?
1: Well, we have custom IP that that is, you know, essentially FinOps tooling that um, they can, you know, remain on in their environment, um, which will continue to lower costs for them. So that that's going to um, drive reporting. Um, you know, they have the ability to shut off the feature that sends like cost savings reports back to us. Um, but, um, but yeah, so we do, to answer your question is yes, we have that ability. Um, but it, you know, it, it all depends on, um, you know, their, uh, preference for, for privacy in some cases, you know, after you've left a company, uh, in terms of an engagement, you, you know, they don't want their data. Even if it's how much you saved them from the tool you left behind, um, they don't want that data, you know, leaving the company. And that's fine. You know, I think it's transparency is the most important thing. It's probably the thing, you know, the most important thing about FinOps is, is making the the data of how much things cost transparent and um, approachable to all the stakeholders involved.
0: So how important is executive buy-in when trying to Im- implement FinOps?
1: it's important to have executive buy-in because you want them to be on the meetings with AWS so that AWS can see how serious of a project this is. And um, if it's just, you know, Joe engineer in the cloud, um, you know, it's just not, you're not going to have the same uh, pull with AWS or any other cloud provider for that matter. Uh, Having an executive on the call, that's always very powerful. I hope that answers the question
0: oh yeah definitely now what advice would you give somebody that's just starting out in their finops journey
1: uh first and foremost i would say get some sort of certification even if it's one of the persona certifications from finops foundation um definitely then you know move on to the practitioner and as far as like you know if you can't get hired at a company Uh, You you know, it's very easy to just walk into even like a retail store and say, you know, are you guys on the cloud? And and they're like, yeah, well, you should probably talk to this guy about it. And then, you know, there's someone that, um, you know, has some sort of relationship with, uh, you know, AWS or another cloud provider. And they're like, oh, you know, okay, do you want to save money on AWS? I I know some ways to do it. And so you know you can start very grassroots about it. You could start you know you could start as a freelancer. You could start your own company. Um, you could just you know do do it for a couple small businesses and um, see real world the impact that you're making and the savings that you're achieving. So um, yeah, there's so many ways to approach it. Um, it you know, it if you can't get Hired as a FinOps uh, analyst or engineer, you know, just get hired as a cloud engineer, and you can you can circle back and prove that value. So I, I don't think you want to pigeonhole yourself with just a FinOps certificate or certification. You want to also you know focus on some other cloud certifications as well, and uh, you know just get in as some sort of cloud analyst, cloud engineer, uh, and then you can circle back to the the FinOps use case and, and value proposition.
0: If you actually get involved in cloud in any which way, engineer, architect, analyst, you will be able to actually get into FinOps if that's what you want to do, because you'll understand cloud in general. You'll have a voice within the company around it, and you can always start doing it yourself, like advocating, working on it, and then showing the actual, like you've said, David, showing them the numbers, showing here's what we could do, here's what we are doing Let's make sure we're making the right business driven decisions on our applications. And I think that allows you to actually start your own. I mean, if you don't even don't even have like a FinOps role within your company, it would might allow you to kick something off. A small team of one grows, two, three. Now you are have a whole entire company buy-in to what you started yourself.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So much value to to uh show and show back. And um, and to unlock, I, I I keep using that word. I must have said unlock sixteen times, but um, ultimately that's what it's about, you know, proving the value.
0: Can you highlight some of CDW's other FinOps capabilities?
1: Yeah, so we've got uh, the FinOps accelerator. That's a six to eight week engagement, depending on the size of the company. That does just that: it accelerates uh, the FinOps capabilities of a given organization. We'll take someone from crawl, we'll get them to walk if they're at walk we'll get them to run uh in terms of maturity and uh you know we'll help with stakeholder buy-in uh tagging policies best practices uh, you know tooling both automated and manual associated to to saving money um but ultimately you know one of one of the great uh outputs of it and outcomes is um an executive roadmap that shows them from an IT roadmap perspective, the tasks, projects, initiatives that they can implement over a 12-month uh, period and beyond that will drive down their, um, their consumption, and but also increase their FinOps maturity. So, you know, and the, the, the two are very, uh, you know, closely correlated. So as you become more sophisticated, as you become more mature from a FinOps perspective, your consumption is, is driven down. And that's, um, you know, that's the great value of the accelerator. Uh, if a company doesn't want to, uh, you know, really take take on the role quite yet internally, there's the FinOps advisory, and that can be either, com- you know, come in as a standalone offering or can follow up the accelerator. And, um, and you know, the, the pricing model for that's a little bit different. It's, it's, you know, charged based on the percentage of savings realized, so there's really no Uh, risk to the customer, uh, you know, in terms of pursuing that, that effort. And then of course there's the managed FinOps, um, component, which is part of our managed service organization. And that's, you know, monthly, um, reports, quarterly reports really depends on the, the desire of the customer in terms of cadence, um, on, uh, FinOps and then, you know, the, the savings that was achieved based on um, certain, you know, engineering, um, actions that took place over a given month or, or quarter. So, so those are the three things.
0: David, before we wrap things up, what is CDW doing at reInvent. Yeah. So
1: we're excited about uh, our booth there. We've got, um, you know, a, a booth over by the infrastructure solution zone. And, uh, I think we're going to have like a London phone booth there. And, uh, you know, uh, we've got a, a nice uh, skyline backdrop of the booth representing all of our, you know, global presence. So we've got uh, landmarks from Canada, Toronto Space Needle, uh, you know, skyscrapers in New York. Uh, we've got, I think, Big Ben and the London Eye in London. So uh, obviously, you know, we've got CDW UK, CDW Canada. And um, so it's, it's, it's cool to represent all of those areas of the business. And, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's going to be our, our biggest, uh, presence at reInvent to date. And, um, we're going to be launching products, offerings, and, uh, we're gonna have some great swag. So we're excited
0: to see you there and all those that are attending. CDW is actually a sponsor of the Las Vegas experience at reInvent. We have a cool studio, the Blue Wire Studio, located at the Wynn. CDW is going to be over there. We're going to record some great content, some prizes. Things are going to be happening. Don't forget to go ahead and check CDW out at the expo, but come over to the studio and watch us do some cool recordings. I hope to see everybody there. David, thank you so much for highlighting CDW's FinOps capabilities. David, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, everybody, this has been FinOps on AWS, Method versus Methodologies. And I've been talking with David Wharton, who's also a chief architect at CDW. My name's John Meyer. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notify, because guess what? We're out of here.